Up next on episode 86 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff sit down with Anton Garishkenko of Math Overflow to discuss the unique qualities of a community of expert mathematicians, how to capture a sphere and a knot, and the importance of off-site backups from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Jeff and Joel telling stories in the morning with guests. That's right. And wacky sound effects. <laughs> it's Jeff and the baby. Now, what should we be? The grouch and the... Um, uh, curmudgeon. I'm, I'm at a loss. The grouch and the curmudgeon. That's two, that's, those are two the same. It has to be... <laughs> It has to be like uh, like John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. They're um, uh, buzzkill, crackpot, and buzzkill in the other order. Adam Curry is crackpot, and John C. Dvorak is buzzkill. Nice. You had to be there. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, Joel's referring to a Family Guy bit that was actually very, very funny. Uh, somebody linked in the, his. Uh, Joel made a post on blog. Stewie, which is the baby, and Brian, which is the dog, uh, were doing one of those morning zoo radio shows. <laughs> Which is it's what like, this podcast is going to turn into next week because uh, – well, not next week, but when we come back, we announced that uh, – can I just get all the announcements out of the way? Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay. Um, we don't have any announcements, but the announcement is that there will be an announcement um, ja- uh, April 9th or so. Is that when you guys are leaving? You know, mm-hmm. April 9th plus or minus a couple of days just so it's surprising. Yeah. Well, we'll be in New York City from the 2nd to the 9th. Right. So the Stack Overflow team is coming to New York the 2nd to the 9th. There will be like a big old planning session. That's why we're not announcing anything because we've got a plan. You see? There will be a planning session. We'll be planning all kinds of exciting new things which we haven't even invented. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and at the end of that – well, and we're going to include you, dear podcast listeners and Stack Overflow users, by having, by having an open house uh, in New York – uh, at some point where we would invite you to come and um, pester us uh, if you're in the area. Um, and uh, that, that'll be happening the first week in April and watch the blog for an announcement, blog.stackover.com. And uh, toward, towards the end of that period, we'll figure out our exciting new strategy and we'll invent all kinds of fantastic things that aren't even, you know, they're, they're not even invented yet. I mean, they're like beyond not invented. They're like before even the idea of inventing an invention. We haven't even invented that we will invent them. Well, we invented that we inv- – okay. And that's all going to happen the first week of April. Towards the end of that, there will be a, an announcement, uh, you know, with the general, the general direction and the general excitement and all the new things coming to Stack Overflow and the podcast and, um, um, you know, New York City is getting another uh, NFL franchise. And that's all up to us. So um, that, that's going to happen. Yeah, a lot of stuff will happen that week. And uh, uh, and the announcements at the end, and that's it. Until then, um, we're going to kind of go dark a little bit. Not that dark, but the podcast is the last podcast. My blog is going to sort of stop. Man, I got like four blog posts left before I have to end the blog today. 
Sorry, you, you mean your blog, blog, right? Yeah. Okay. <sighs> you can say blog, you have to clarify. Sorry, I don't want to confuse people. Yeah, that's all right. That is okay. What about our special guest we're going to have today? Good question. Where is he? Yeah, you know what? I'm having, uh, I, I don't have him on my contacts, and I'm having the technical difficulties anyway. So can you just uh, map him in some, somehow? Uh, I can. Let's see. Let's see what happens. We'll see how, how, well it's, how good it sounds if, if we conference him in. I'm, I'm just, you know, the real reason that this podcast is ending and we're going to have to recreate a new podcast is that this podcast gear setup is just on its last legs. I mean, it is being held together with Band-Aids. And, and I'm already on, like, like, I can't even use, my desktop computer doesn't even do Skype anymore. Um, I'm using a laptop that will only do one Skype call per reboot. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just a general general embarrassment of of, of unsuccessfulness. So okay. I'm gonna we're gonna build a, a Leo Laporte style studio. Our VC money. Let me. Uh, I'm still adding Anton. Sorry, wasn't quite. There'll be some. Well, this is the old podcast. You know what? We don't we don't edit this stuff out in the old podcast. The new podcast, it's live. You know what can you do? You just get this stuff ready. Yes. Um, still. Wow. Here we go. All right, I'll edit this out to make this sound like we just had them ready. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize we were going to do this. No, this no, that's it's okay. It's, that's usually I do it, so it's totally not Jeff's fault. I'm just trying to make him sound. Like he's not ready when it's usually my responsibility to have the guests and to have tested the microphones and <sighs> yeah, I, I, I've been busy all day trying to trying to trying to talk to some of the uh, people here at Fog Creek about about stuff. No problem. I'm trying to add Anton, but I can't add him because he hasn't accepted my request. Can't you so. call him even if he doesn't accept your request? Oh, he just accepted. <laughs> Okay, so now I can add him, hopefully. Anton, add. Okay, it's ringing. Hello? Hey, Anton. Hey, it's Anton. How's it going? Hey. Welcome. Um, 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 we should, uh, uh, let's see, do I get to see you here? Yeah. Um, what are you talking Let's tell our listeners who we have today. Our special guest on Stack Overflow podcast is Anton Garashenko, who you guys know from mathoverflow.net. The That's world's right. largest community of math PhDs That's and right. PhD candidates. Yes. Um, maybe. <laughs> Could you guys talk amongst yourselves for a second while I answer the phone? Maybe. Is there, well, is there another community of, of mathematicians? Uh, well, there are lots of very popular math blogs. I have no idea how large their communities are, but it, I, I think it's a huge overlap with Math Overflow. Um, but those are those have a lot of readers and one writer, whereas Math Overflow is is really like literally hundreds of people actively contributing. Thirty five hundred last I looked, thirty five hundred registered users, um, and probably none of them understand anything that the other ones are writing, except in their very narrow field of whatever it is, combinatorial, geonometric, uh, graphic statistics. Or whatever it may be, and then they they're like, "Oh, you're a mathematician too. What do you do?" And it's like, uh, "Well, I do uh, topological um, numerical analysis." I'm like, "Oh, well, I guess we don't have anything to talk about. See you later." <laughs> <laughs> well, they Sometimes. must have something in common. 
I mean, isn't, yeah, I mean, isn't math the great, like, unified language? I mean, even if we met aliens, wouldn't they understand math? <laughs> um, probably if we, if we can explain all our terminology. But the, there are definitely lots of very broad areas of math, and people specialize in some of them, just like with programming. I mean, if you go on Stack Overflow, you don't know all of the languages, so some of them you just say, oh, I don't care about that. I'm not interested in learning it. Yeah. So you add it to your ignored list. And same sort of thing happens on Math Overflow. You have some things that you're really interested in, some things that you're really not interested in ever seeing, and lots of things that you might be interested in uh, if somebody asks a question that's accessible to you. So maybe, Anton, you could talk about the history of setting up the site. Like, what motivated you? Like, how did you even hear about Stack Exchange? And then, like, what, what, why did you think that? Why did that appeal to you in terms of what you were trying to do with Math Overflow? Maybe talk about the genesis. Uh, sure. So, uh, so I'm a grad student, and, uh, and I know lots of other grad students and some postdocs. And um, every now and then I would have this discussion with them about wouldn't it be great if there were a math wiki for this or, or some variant thereof. So something where you could sort of plug into a, a giant Borg-like brain and get access to all this good stuff that other people know. Or maybe sometimes you come up with an interesting example and you're like, wow, I really want to share this with somebody, but there isn't any good way to do it except by going and meeting them. Um, so it was always kind of a nice idea, but there wasn't ever any, any sort of implementation. And then um, a friend of mine, Dave Brown, uh, showed me Stack Overflow at some point and said, wouldn't it be great if there was something exactly like this for math? And I had a look at it, and I said, yes. Um, so then we started plotting how to convince you guys to, uh, to run a sister site for us. This was before Stack Exchange. This was, uh, this was right around the time that Server Fault was going into beta, I think. I see. Um, so we started, you know, I started listening to the podcasts and uh, we started thinking, okay, how are we going to pitch it to these guys so that, um, so that they do it? We figured maybe if we go find some money and give you that, then, then you'd do it for us. But then you said Stack Exchange and, and we thought that was great because that solved the problem of getting you to host a site for us. Now, you mentioned that there's a lot of bloggers. So in terms of the existing community, um, I, I just don't... One of the things we've tapped into is we've... we've that's interesting to us about Math, math Overflow is, is that you've really built a nice community. And that really turns out to be the hard thing. It's not so much the software, although the software we think is great, obviously. Uh, but we're biased. It's our child. Um, the hard part is really just getting the community to sort of buy in to this thing that you're doing and sort of attract the right people to the community. And it, I, I think the thing that has made Math Overflow successful is that you really have brought uh, a lot of interesting people along with you. Um, and you mentioned there's, a, there's an existing blogging community. I mean, do you think that was the key element or do you think it was just because, you know, you're a graduate student at, at Berkeley, which is fairly prestigious or, and knew the right people? Or, I mean, maybe you could talk about like where the audience comes from and like what attracts them to the site. Um, sure. So, um, so there's this one particular math blog 
a secret blogging seminar, which was started by uh, a lot of Berkeley grad students who I think have all now graduated. And I know all of them. So I knew that, that I would eventually be using that to, to publicize Math Overflow. Um, this is actually yeah, even I'm looking at this that. is actually a group blog I should mention. So it's got it looks like eight different people that that all contribute to um, uh, Secret Blogging Seminar. Yeah, I think that's right. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but even even before we we posted about it there, I was just telling various people I knew who I thought would be interested, and um, I had a beta sign up list. And I sent emails to those people. So even when we only had a few dozen people, I, I felt like it was already working pretty well. Um, but certainly announcing it on the blog was an explosion of activity. And it's been actually fairly steady since then. There's been a little bit of growth, but, um, but it's been pretty steady. I think one thing that was really important is having a meta discussion site. Um, Ooh. How do you, where, because where is your meta discussion hmm? site? Oh, yeah, meta, okay, meta. Overflow net. Oh, okay, and that's not even that's not even a Stack Overflow. That's just uh, uh oh, is it the dreaded PHP BB? No. <laughs> Phew. Yeah, I was curious about that. I mean, it looks like you have a meta site, which I agree is really important, um, but it's not driven by the uh, Stack Exchange engine. What, what was the thinking there? Um, the thinking was that eventually you'd start charging money, and we didn't have that much. Oh, oh I see. Oh, oh, oh. So, um, yeah. Okay, cool. No, I mean, I'm, I'm totally down with meta. I mean, I had to be dragged kicking and screaming to the need for it, uh, but I believe in it whole hog now. Um, yeah, well, I That's think actually an interesting the- observation. It actually maybe implies that every semi-popular... Stack Exchange should have sort of a mirror site where you discuss or a meta, yeah, meta, uh, yeah, behind the scenes kind of thing. I mean, it's certainly it's one of the lessons we learned was that it's hugely important to have that outlet. And, well, the question I mean, is, do we need that for server fault superuser, et cetera? Those are you could argue that server fault superuser and Stack Overflow are close enough that they can share a meta, but you know, obviously, Math Overflow doesn't belong on that meta. You know, well, but if this somebody actually highlights. Yeah, well, the, the, I think I tell another another reason Math Overflow has done really well is like I was just reading. You put together a really nice how to ask document. It's yes, actually quite sure. quite nice. I mean, it seems like you put. I don't know if you realize, but you put like quite a bit of thought more than uh, not to denigrate other Stack Exchange sites, but more than I have typically seen on Stack Exchange in terms of how you control the experience. Because not only do you have a really nice how to ask document, but you also uh, you know you have these customizations involving. Uh, JS math, is that the right term? So you're you're actually tailoring the site to your audience in a way. You're making it more mathy, you know? It's not really necessarily a cookie-cutter experience at that point. Yeah. Well, JS math is great because because we didn't really have to do very much. We just throw it up on a server somewhere and include it in the footer, and it walks through the page and processes everything. which is fantastic. So that that was actually really easy. The how to ask page actually was a result of some meta discussion. So I, I think the main reason that a meta site is important is because the community you want the community to be self-moderating. Now, if if members of the community are making the decision about what's an appropriate question, how are people supposed to behave, to what extent do we allow discussion questions or homework questions, 
anything like that. Um, if they're going to be making those decisions, you want them to be able to uh, discuss and change their mind so that they're doing the best possible thing rather than everybody just making some random decision and then hoping that in the chaos of that, everything will work out. So what was happening actually on our meta discussion site is I felt like we were really talking a lot about what doesn't belong. So at the very beginning, nobody knows what this thing is for. And so you have people coming in asking homework questions, and that's clearly out. So you say, okay, no, we don't want homework questions. That's not the, I mean, there's nothing wrong with people asking for help with homework, but this isn't the place for it. Mm -hmm. um, so there were a lot of things coming up where people were discussing a lot about what's a bad question and when should we close questions and so on. And so the how to ask page was an attempt to shift the focus to get people to say, well, what's a good question? So when I see a question, rather than saying, is this bad, should I close it? People should say, well, how can I make this better? And I don't know to what extent that's worked, but that's kind of the history behind the how to ask page. Well, it's interesting to me to identify the subset of things that are kind of the same while also identifying the things that are different about the, your audience, uh, e.g. the specialization of, of, of the math. But certainly the, the discussion around like what do we allow is so fundamental to any community. I mean, setting the boundaries around the community is, is one of the most important things you can do. So it doesn't surprise me that people want to talk about like what what you know what should be allowed because if you allow this is and Joel remember how I always had that reservation about Joel has this theory on Stack Overflow we should allow any question which we kind of do not really um, there's still some boundaries but um, if you don't control what's coming in then you lose control of the boundaries around the community and then the community kind of implodes because they can't decide what it is they are yeah well my my my, my I, I I've shifted my thoughts a little bit. One is I realized that um, if you go back to an old enough podcast um, and listen to them all, which will take you three and a half lifetimes, you'll hear me saying um, somebody might make a question and tag it for Joel and business and ask their business question there. And I'll come in and I'll be like, oh, I got a business answer to that. And, um, uh, and, and I was actually assuming that we wouldn't in any way restrict the domain of questions on, on the site. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, although I thought maybe they had to be somehow technology related, somehow something, anything. I don't know. I didn't know how to restrict them really. Um, I just thought you could throw up questions and they would find. But um, I believe that we have discovered that 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 uh, uh, Stack Overflow only works if you limit the domain to an interest group somehow, and if you have enough people to provide all the knowledge. Um, that your domain covers. So if your domain is everything in the world and you only have 300 people, um, you can't possibly get very good questions or very good answers. Whereas if your domain is math and you have 3,500 good mathematicians, uh, you, will get, you will get answers. So the size of the domain has to match the size of the audience. And I think we really lucked out with Stack Overflow that, um, that Jeff and I brought in a lot of bloggers and or a lot of people who read our blogs early on and they had a big enough audience to match the size of the domain, which happened to be programming questions. And, um, and so it worked really well. People, even in the first few weeks of Stack Overflow, were already able to get answers to questions in very niche programming technologies uh, that were just not that common because there were enough programmers that they could fill that out, and that made, that made it successful. Um, but the other thing which, I've, which I still, still believe in and have always believed is that... <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I've always believed that we should have... Um, that no question is too easy. 
Bulb. So, um, so I've always, I've always said, um, you know, if somebody asks a newbie question, um, that, and genuinely, and they say, you know, I, I just need, I, I don't, I don't really get the difference between, you know, an assignment statement and an if statement or whatever it may be. I mean, something that's really just like in your first week of learning how to program. And, you know, they phrase it clearly and, and, the question matches the way somebody might type that question into Google. You know, I've always believed that's going to be a very, very useful resource is somebody explaining to the person that doesn't understand this thing. And that, um, um, the, that, that, uh, um, on, on Usenet and on discussion groups, we developed this culture that asking a question that had already been asked before was annoying because there were these old timers that had been there forever. And they would just get annoyed if somebody came in every single week and asked some easy question. They wanted to see new questions that they had never thought of, and so uh, if you went to a, if you go to a Usenet news group or a PHBBB site or whatever, any one of those discussion type things, uh, and you ask a question that gets asked every week because it's kind of common, kind of newbie, um, you're going to get screamed at. And what that makes is a site that is only interesting to the people that have been there for three years. Uh, it's not so interesting if you just want to learn about commercial aviation and you go to airliners.net. You know, the conversation is a little bit too advanced. If you're like, what's the difference between a Boeing and an Airbus? Um, your question is just going to get deleted. So if you're just trying to learn about commercial aviation and your first question is, what's the difference between a Boeing and an Airbus? Um, that site is going to be, uh, you know, mean to you. And I didn't, I didn't want to reproduce that. And I knew that we had the ability to remove duplicate questions and that an old question in our system is, you know, has all the same status as a new question. Uh, you know, it still comes up in searches, and you can still find it, and it's still alive, and you can still answer it, and you can still edit the answers, and you can still vote on it. So um, so it's not like a conversation that took place six years ago. It's actually still an active question just because it was old, which meant that um, if you get one of those newbie questions in there, at least you only get it once. So it doesn't bother, the, you know, the, the, the supreme experts that hang out all day long. And that is why the world is banana-shaped. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, yes, the promised uh, banana-shaped uh, Joel Lant. Yes, mm-hmm. that's good. But I, I think Anton, what's interesting about Math Overflow is uh, that we we want to identify what it is. We want to get really good at helping people build these communities, and 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 the software is actually uh, a small part of that. I mean, the bigger part of that is just social. I mean, it's not even really about software. It's about you know how you even approach this thing from the beginning. Uh, and, and I think also like we don't we don't know what topics are actually going to be successful like beforehand. I, I think part of this is like very experimental. Like we think certain topics may work really well with our engine. Like I don't think Joel and I would ever sit down and said, you know, what we need we need a site for graduate level mathematics, right? <laughs> That's going to work really well with our engine, right? Um, because it seems like it has really jibed uh, with the software. In addition to the social work that obviously you did in setting it up. Um, there's a synergy here that that seems to be uh, taking off that we would never have predicted. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's yeah, really none, of, for none us. of the stack exchanges I would have predicted. Not not Meta, not uh, uh, World of Warcraft, the Epic uh, advice site. Not uh, I wouldn't have predicted that. I wouldn't have predicted that spirituality site. I don't even remember what it's called. I wouldn't have predicted uh, Math Overflow. I wouldn't have predicted. I did predict startups in business, and there were two of those. Ugh. But. Uh, but um, uh, we're still a little bitter about the rift between those two. We, we love those communities. Don't get yes. me wrong. It's just we kind of wish they were one community, yes. and not two. Yes, but we need to. We need to. Um, we need to find a way to get them to merge somehow because it's just it's just critical mass is not being reached in either of them when they could if they just merged. Um, and so, uh, yeah. I, so uh, b- before we 
would drift too far in another direction. I think I think I actually have something to say about two things that you guys have said. So okay. one is your your rant about easy questions. Yeah. Or your uh, whatever. Um, well, not easy questions, but so, basic questions that are actually in the field. So, like, you're not going to have. I'm not saying somebody's going to ask. You know, I got a homework problem that was two plus x equals five. What is x? That's not an easy question in mathematics. That is right, a right. question so, from a different field that you guys don't care about. That's right. That's exactly what I was going to say. That yeah. it's, I think allowing easy questions because you can uh, allowing kind of questions that everybody comes up with because you can merge duplicates is fine, so long as you're really targeting the same community. So right. th- this is one thing that I, I realized a little bit in in my thinking early on about h- how a stack exchange should work. I, I really feel like you should pick out a community and then ask the you know when it when somebody is asking asking a question to decide whether the question belongs you should say does my community care about that rather mm-hmm. than picking a topic and then saying is this question within this topic hmm. yeah so you, so you, you might want to say want, but what would be an example for math anton of something that would be considered very basic but still in your community like like really something that somebody might learn the very beginning of a course in something you know but but it would still be you know kind of graduate level math. I mean, it's it's real math. It's not addition. Well, so uh, actually, a, a discussion recently came up. So we had a, a question about um, if you've got a sphere, or I'll give you a kind of a version of the question. If you have a sphere, mm-hmm. is there a way is there a way to cover it with another sphere? I'll just put this in terms you way. can understand here. A sphere, <laughs> no, 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 which is basically it's like a bowling ball. <laughs> it's no, 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 it's okay. round, but it's What I'm saying is that the question had another yeah. part to it. Oh, okay. But one part of the question was, can you double cover a sphere with another sphere in a way, you know, so that you don't introduce any kinks? Huh. And this is something that it's a basic algebraic topology question. If you've ever taken an algebraic topology course, mm-hmm. then you would have covered this at some point. Right. But on the other hand, I can absolutely imagine a mathematician from another field who yeah. just completely doesn't know any algebraic topology, but kind of came up with this question for some other reason. Yeah. So I think that question really should be allowed, and, and the answer should just be, well, Here's a reference. Here's the main result that you want to know. Right, right. And you're exactly. on your way. Because I mean, there, there may be a page that already answers that question on the internet, which is fine. But if there isn't, then Math Overflow sh- should host it. And it can be edited and it can be embellished. And it can be the Wikipedia article on that particular question. And that, that thing is going to get – I mean, it's not going to be of that much interest to most of the community. But it's going to get a lot of page views because you know, everybody taking that class is going to wonder – or not understand what their what their professor explained that day in class, and they're right, going to search well, for that in Google, and they're going to find this page, and they're going to read it, and they're going to say that's a great explanation. Well, but hold on. I mean, at the end of that tunnel that you're describing is yeah. is Mahalo. I mean, at some point you're building. With, now there's something sneaky going on here about Mahalo. Well, but the, if Yahoo the answers. goal is page, the goal isn't really page views. The goal is to produce interesting information to the community because that's the to core answer the questions. To answer the questions, I know that's no, what I mean. Well, but no, the, the goal is to have the answers to questions that people type into their search engine, right? That's the side effect. That's not really the goal. No, that's, that's a very, goal. very nice side effect. Really? The goal is to produce information that the community is actually interested in because that's what the community wants. I mean, you're. I mean, that's what makes a community interesting. So but the community has the, the community has its its. Well, all right. 
I, I'm not well, using page views reason- for their own sake. I'm just using page views to say if we get a lot of page views, that's probably a sign that we're making pages that are interesting. Um, it, it, it and is. I can see how you think that's Mahalo, but Mahalo is a, a slightly different story. Mahalo, Yahoo Answers, Wikia, Wikihow, Answers.com, all those kinds of sites, is that those things have actually devolved into entertainment sites, not really information exchanges. They look like information exchanges where you're doing Q&A. They are actually chat rooms for preteen girls. Well, I think math overflow is great because there's just no way math overflow could ever have this problem. I mean, right. <laughs> Anton, is it even possible to create a graduate level math question that would be, you know, a page view magnet? Is that even conceivably uh-huh. possible? <laughs> well, within this domain, sure, uh, sure, yeah. sure. Actually, I uh, you sent me an email saying that oh, maybe maybe the podcast should be a little bit more planned. So I found a, a math overflow question that. Oh, yeah. I think people might find interesting. Okay, if you cool. want, I can, I can show you what's, that. What's the number? Uh, it's number 8091. 8091. Is, Is it, it possible, possible to capture a sphere in a knot? I love it, and it's not with a K. <laughs> so I understand it. Because <laughs> I, I can imagine you writing the question, Is it possible to capture a sphere in an N-O-T? And I can imagine that being an actual mathematical question that I cannot understand. Well, let me and just like, read. Oh, let me just read. Boolean logic and ge- geometry here and, and uh, topology here. Well, let me just read the intro paragraph so people can get a flavor. Obviously, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you and, oh, I decide, I, you and I decided to play a game. To start off with, I provide you with a frictionless, perfectly spherical sphere along with a frictionless, unstretchable, infinitely thin magical rope. <laughs> wow. This rope has the magical <laughs> well, property okay, that if okay. you ever... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so l- let me let me uh, go uh, ahead. Paraphrase the question. So the question is this. I, so I love this question because I've had this ever since I was a, a little kid. You've got a ball and you've got a rope. Yeah. And what you want is a ball on a rope so that you can play that game where you knock the ball around the pole or uh, okay. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you right? slug your friend with it who's across the room. You swing it around and hit him on the head. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the question is so okay, you maybe as a kid you had this problem. You've got some kind of a round object and you've got a rope and you want to get the object on the rope. Right. So you sort of wrap it around and you tie it off and you do your best and maybe it works. Yeah, but it always seems it to really slip out. It really depends on friction. It always seems to slip out. So the yeah. question is is it possible to ever do this so that it so that it'll never slip out even without friction? You could imagine that you, and now am I allowed to make a really elaborate kind of net out of the rope, like a single yes, like I could make a really, really elaborate net out of a, you know, the end of the rope mm-hmm. uh, get the sphere in there somehow oh I'm saying you, you can you can use the the rope to weave a bag, yeah. and then throw the ball in the bag right right, right, right. except yeah. except then since it's frictionless, right the bag has these little holes in it, yeah. And you could kind of stretch out one of those holes, and the ball will fall out of that. Oh, oh! <laughs> Wait, is the rope? Uh, there's stretchy? actually pictures. Have you scrolled down, Joel? There's actually pictures in oh the. There, there's the accepted answer, which is great, and then there's some pictures down below, which for dumb dummies like me who don't do math, this is helpful. Wait, what is the what is the accepted answer? Is that you can't? That you can't. Yeah, I figured you mathematicians which, would kibosh my my playground game. Oh, look, someone's got pictures of ropes and balls. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> uh, something like this. Who did these pictures? Anton did. Uh, which, which one? Well, Anton did one of them. Oh, there's one with a beach, and there's a little sphere on it, and a, and, and a, and a, and a string yeah. that's obviously been worn. Nice. Okay. But there's no real yep. math in that, that answer, though, is there? 
Well, I guess there's um, some summary math. Take this. I, I think well, take the one skeleton of the well, octahedron and take a Eulerian path. This is math. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's unquestionably math. I just that particular answer was not particularly mathy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just used to going to Math Overflow and just having my mind blown with, you know, a lot of notation. I'm just surprised when I see an answer that doesn't have any notation in it. What are the questions? We always this, this, this is not meaningful, but if you try to look at what the questions with the most views are, do we have a way with that? Would that be hot? Um, no, how do you find the most views questions? Is there a way to sort for that? Jeff, there isn't really. Uh, there are some custom terms we added, but I don't know if Stack Exchange has that. Oh. I mean, there's a, it's a custom search. No, it doesn't have any advanced search. Yeah, um, I think on Stack Overflow you can do views x, and it'll show you things with at least x views. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that's in Stack Exchange yet. Yeah, so the, like, the 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 highest vote voted question is proofs of bot periodicity. Okay, so there's nothing here. Oh, uh, there is actually stuff here. Which journals publish expository work? All right, I'll take that one. That that, that, that to me strikes me as a fairly easy thing, and it's probably popular. Uh, this is. Uh, uh, 15366, which journals publish expository work. This is probably popular because it crosses, uh, you know, to a lot of math. Like it's, it's interesting to all mathematicians, not necessarily just mathematicians in a particular topic. And it's a little bit easy compared to some of the other stuff that's going on here. And there may somewhere be sure. a, a, a page that you can find elsewhere on the internet, or maybe this is even general enough to be a Wikipedia entry somewhere. Um, so so it's it's going to get a lot of page views, I think, because it's a question that people will go to Google and say which journals publish expository work in mathematics and they're going to find this page. This one's been viewed 1,700 times, which is uh, relatively a lot for our world of, of very narrow questions. So those are the kind of questions that I think are, are fine. Like they're, they're a little bit too easy but once you get an answer everybody in the community moves on and in the meantime you've created this great resource for people um, forever. You know, and, and I'm not just talking about a page mill, page view mill or something some kind of eyeball trap on the internet. I'm talking about something that's actually genuinely useful to a lot of people. Now, Anton, another thing that I think is nice about Math Overflow is, is I had always fantasized about really customizing the site to the community, and I, I don't think we've totally achieved that, even within the trilogy. I mean, we, we, we kind of have some you know source code preview action going on on Stack Overflow, but the engine yeah. is somewhat generic. Yeah, like on Math Overflow, being, you'd want like LaTeX preview for sure. Yeah, and actually, it does work. Yeah, we've I, got that. It, it oh, does yeah, work, Joel, because yeah. I went into a revision and I viewed source on the revision, uh -huh. and then I pasted that into the uh, preview, and in fact, it does work. I okay. mean, all the math cool. notation actually gets cool. shown in the preview. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Um, yeah. So we're actually inter entertaining the idea now of doing uh, plugins, so people could actually write plugins that would work both on the front end. The tricky part is they have to work on the front end and the back end, meaning they have right. to work on the JavaScript preview as well as when you click submit and send this block of text to the server. I mean, it's fairly trivial to have a text transformation thing happen on the server. What's, what's, what's less trivial is having that work in the preview. <laughs> so you basically right. have whatever that plugin language is, you've you, you got two choices. You either do it in JavaScript and find a way to run JavaScript on the server, which is not so hard, or you do it in something like GWT where you can write Java and then you run Java on the server and you use GWT to generate JavaScript for the client? Well, there's actually a third route, which is that you basically render everything on the server. And then so there's a certain timer going off as you're typing. Yeah. Um, and after about three well, seconds, you, you make a server round trip. Oh, so that's not, that's not a general. That, I mean, that worked for LaTeX or something. That's not going to work if you want. Let's say somebody wants to make a plug-in that lets you make little diagrams of some sort. 
But there, I mean, there's also a fourth route, which is what we do with JS Math, which is that everything is done on the client side. Yeah, it's just right? a funny we, encoding. Right. So, so there, actually, like I said, it was almost no work in the sense that we just stick JS Math in the footer, so any static content uh, just gets walked through and rendered. For the yeah. preview, um, I just had to copy over your, your WMD.js file. So I threw, you know, changed a couple of little things and loaded a custom version of that, which renders everything in the preview. Now, the JS Math, I know there are a couple competing math engines right, that do this client thing. And I, you mentioned something about you're, you guys are thinking about changing this. I mean, is this the, the final solution, or is there some other end state here uh, in terms of well, math notation? Well, LaTeX is definitely the, uh, I think, the optimal thing because mathematicians are used to using it. It's, you know, they use it in email and everything. So that's definitely the input that we want. And if somebody has JavaScript disabled, for example, then what they'll see is LaTeX. And that's really good. We like that. Mm. Um, as far as what's doing the rendering, right now it's JS Math. But JS Math is kind of old. I think it was written in 2004. Mm-hmm. And it has a successor coming up called MathJax. Yes, cool. That's what so that I'm should be. Of. That should be a little bit Math more Jax. stable. That's a great name. That's so much better than Moms for Mom. No offense, Moms for Mom. <laughs> <laughs> MathJax is just it's 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 macho. It's a macho name, MathJax. And yeah. it's like it's like it's like a, a breakfast cereal that you would give really intelligent children. Eat your MathJax. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll grow up to be a famous yeah. mathematician. Yeah, it would be. It could it's be that got... Moms for Mom wasn't shooting for a macho name, but <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe uh, it's something you can pronounce and spell without having to. Anyway, um, yeah, Math Jacks. I'm I'm all for that. Of course, that one you don't know if it's Jacks like like Jack and Jill, or Jacks like J A X or. Yeah, there's some ambiguity there around there's... spelling, which is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a domain name, that's bad. Which is actually the moms for mom problem is that it's so ambiguous. In terms I'm sorry, of I'm, I'm dragging down this conversation. You guys, are no, no, that's okay. No, no, it, it's okay. I mean, I brought up the breakfast cereal. Naming is naming important. Is important. Boy, um, yeah. I, I, you know, a Stack Exchange was a real rush of a name. Actually, I've I've come warm, I've warmed up to the name now. I, I, I kind of like it because it. it's sort of like Stock Exchange. You know how to pronounce it. It just sort of flows. Yeah, and that kind of stuff it works okay. But um, boy, there's probably some domain that we'll figure out that we can have for all these sites that. Oh, man. Okay, anyway. Now, Anton, do you have a companion blog? Do you blog about Math Overflow somewhere? I guess you have a – there's enough math bloggers talking about Math Overflow already? Or, like, what, what do you do in terms of public pulpit where you talk about the site other than Meta? Uh, I think I mostly just use Meta for that. And if it's something – I mean, the Meta community is much smaller than the, the main Math Overflow community. Depending on how short the message is and how widely I want to broadcast it, I'll just throw it in a – System message. I see. That just appears at the top of the site on all the pages. Yeah, system messages are awesome. That's an awesome feature, actually. Yeah, you don't abuse that, though, because people complain about that. Abuse. I'm going to do it. We're never going to start abusing it. It's gonna, there's going to be flashy ads there and <laughs> punch the monkey games and get, get the Stack Overflow American Express card. So, so Anton, wh- wh- what would you like to see? Like, what's the next thing you would like to see? Uh, other than just you know synchronization of the engines, which we're obviously working on, um, in terms of you know, and feel free to include selfish things that you would like to see only for math overflow. Like, what's the next thing you would like to see 
Like, what's the big missing piece in in the engine, in your, in your opinion, for what you're doing? Um, you know, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think there's very very little that I have to complain about. Usually, if there's something that I have to complain about, mm-hmm. it's because of some clever feature that I wouldn't have thought of otherwise, and maybe I wanted to work slightly differently. Well, uh, what what are your existing pain points now? I mean, what do, what do you get complaints about? I mean, that's one way I look at yeah. where we're doing things wrong. So I think a, a lot of the existing pain points are things that have already been addressed in Stack Overflow that I assume will be merged into Stack Exchange. So things like yes. advanced search and editing comments and the at replies and comments. Right. No, those are all driven. I agree. Those are all driven off uh, existing problems that we're trying to address through software, either social behaviors or you know things that are kind of missing. But certainly editing comments was a big one because, I mean, the whole cool thing about Stack Overflow, the engine, is that everything is editable except comments. You know, it's like you have to add this asterisk, like, oh, you can edit everything except when you post a comment, boy, you sure can't edit that. You have to delete it and then recreate it. It was very sort of anti-Stack Overflow when we sat down and thought about it. Uh, so yeah. we did want to go in and, and fix that. I mean, I, I think to a certain extent, though, I really like the fact that comments are second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have to have some method by which people can leave comments because they might add something interesting or say, right. this is wrong or I don't know what. Um, so you have to allow that and you have to allow for clarification. But having that tight word limit on comments and making it so that you can't do so much with comments really prevents people from going off on a tangent. How did, I can't even imagine that. what Stack Overflow would be like without comments, but it didn't launch with comments. So I'm trying to remember, Jeff, where did we... It did launch with comments, actually, did not, just barely. Did not, did not. Really? Did yeah, it, it did. In the, it was in one, the of the, beta? one of the very first things we put in. It wasn't there for the beta. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't there for a lot of the beta, but right before we launched, we did add it. So. What was... Uh, where, where did we get the idea for that from there? We, we did see that somewhere. Well, we, we don't admit any of this I stuff. wouldn't say... It was interesting because there, there was... Like I said, a lot of the reasons we put stuff in are social reasons, like based on observation of the way people are using the system. Uh, we were saying a lot of people use answers to talk to each other, and that's bad. Right. Because an answer where yeah, you that talk didn't work. to someone... Yeah, because then no, the sort really order bad. becomes bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because then you're ruining the sort order. You're kind of breaking the system at that point. But they didn't mean to. They just needed to address some issue with another answer. I think that um, when I had been uh, imagining this beforehand, I thought that we would have um, more liberal editing policies. And so if you wanted to clarify someone's question or you wanted to discuss you would edit it like edit it into their question like people do on a wiki but what you want oh. but wikis wind up a mess where you see somebody saying something and then people are putting in parentheses and asking questions in in line in well let me tell you that's actually a very very bad idea i mean well, actually I editing another person's post to have a conversation is i think one of the worst uses of it doesn't happen i mean almost never which is good but it's, the few times i've seen it where people yeah. were just experimenting I mean, it totally didn't work. Yeah, like, go, go look on, uh, on every on possible wikis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you, you need comments because basically people need a tiny bit of meta. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know what they need. I'm just, I, I, just, I, I could have sworn that I saw that somewhere else. Um, the, like there was a distinction between a comment and a, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. they're nice. Yeah. So, um, Hey, um, we just passed up. Uh, we finally, on. if you go to compete.com, which has ba- really bad data, it only knows about one-sixth of our actual users. Um, we finally passed Experts Exchange. Oh, wow. According to compete.com, which has got bad data. I mean, we passed Experts Exchange, you know, like a year ago on every other 
site, but now there are no sites that report experts exchanges having more traffic than Stack Overflow. Oh, really? Wow, that's that's nice. That was the that's last nice. uh, the that's last nice. holdout with the with the most crappiest data. Cool, very cool. Um, so one thing I, I want to talk about shifting gears a tiny tiny bit. Yep. So all that backup stuff we went through, which you know, not not sexy, but we need to do it. Oh yeah. Uh, one of th- one of the things that came out of that was. Uh, we're actually doing these weekly backups. Joel would like to do daily, but the bandwidth requirements are kind of intense. Um, yeah. We're doing weekly backups where we take everything that's on-site at our data center and move it to, to Fog Creek offices in New York City, so from Corvallis, New York City. Um, and and I, I totally support this. I'm yeah. just not necessarily down with, like, I don't think this needs to happen every day because it's kind of a pain in terms of the bandwidth required because we produce, like, 10 gigs of backup data per day. Um, and one of, one of my arguments was, okay, well, how realistic is it for the data center to explode? I mean, I realize I'm going to guess. <laughs> Wait a minute. Case. Are you going to announce that the data center exploded, Jeff? I well, it did kind it. of explode. I mean, so again, the, the universe hates me and loves Joel. So Joel, I guess, was right. Da, 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 da. It pains me to what? say this, Joel. Are you serious? Yeah, so the we actually had exploded? a thermal event at the data center, which could have been very, very bad. It again, wasn't yeah. that bad. Uh, but what happened is one day, I don't remember what day it was, we woke up and then, you know, occasionally you have those days where things just go wrong. You're like, oh, my God. <laughs> This is one of those days. It's like all of a sudden there was no database server, which is very bad. Now, you may remember that we bought a second database server because I had – I don't know if I was psychic, but I was like, wow, wouldn't it be bad if we lost the database server? That would be really bad because we don't have another machine of that scale. It has tons and tons of memory. We have plenty of web servers, but I don't know that they could really be database servers anymore because they lack the requisite amount of memory to really be effective at that role. Um, so I went ahead and bought another database server and upgraded the existing one and you know recycled parts, et cetera. So we ended up we, we had two database servers in the data center that day. Uh, but I woke up one morning and the, da- the DB1 was just not there anymore. I was like, that's bad. <laughs> we have no databases anymore. Uh, now, we had backups, on-site backups. So I then began the process of getting DB2 up, and it didn't actually take that very long. It was a good exercise of... You know, what if our primary database disappears? How do we fix that? I was able to fix it. It wasn't a problem. Uh, but we were trying to figure out, like, why did this happen? What's going on? Like, what happened to DB1? And in the process of figuring that out, we realized that the data center had a, a air conditioning system failure. Yeah. Which is really bad at a data center. That's, like, one of the worst things that can happen. Because there's so much equipment there producing so much heat. Yeah, it can. it gets yeah. incredibly hot incredibly fast. Yeah, it's it like, just kills within, everything. Within yep. like an hour, you're in serious trouble. Right. Uh, and that's what happened at the Peak Data Center. Uh, and they actually have a ba- – they're fixing it. They have a backup uh, – they, they have a backup uh, air, comp- air conditioning system, but for some reason there was some problem. I don't remember what the details were. Um, but they're, they're, they're fixing it. But, man, that really highlighted the reality of, you know, what if a meteor hit your data center? I would it, like to – It's not yeah. as unlikely as you might think. Uh-huh. Well, ideally, so, I would like to have um, – uh, we, we, I think we talked about this at the time too. I know you want backups every second. No, no, but and they they, they can be local, but they they should be. Um, uh, we should have a read-only mode. That's what I was going to say. So that when we are running off of a some kind of a backup database, somehow Stack mm-hmm. Overflow goes into read-only mode, so that people's changes when when we get our original database back, which we almost always do, we don't have to migrate the changes from DB2 to DB1 in this case. We can yes. just um, we can just go back to DB one and let DB two go back to being a standby. No, Joel has an excellent point, and I totally agree with this. Um, that when you switch to the backup database, you then have the problem of keeping these two now different databases in sync. 
Right. You have to somehow migrate those changes that have been made back to the first one, and that's just not so easy. Um, yeah, so or that may require than, more downtime later. Yeah, rather than tackling this hard synchronization problem, what you could do is say, you know what, we're in read-only mode. You can read all the existing database data, but you can't write anything new. Yeah, and on Stack Overflow, it's awesome because that, that's still 95% of page views probably. People would be happy if they can just get to the information, you know, even yeah. if they can't no, ask I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the least of many available evils. So that was also, and we had thought about that briefly, but having this actual problem, excuse me, put that in broad relief for us. So I did want to emphasize that uh, Joel was not that Joel was ever wrong about this, but uh, no, and I, the fork thing too. But that's okay. And uh, <laughs> wait, I'm sorry. Oh, I should have made a list. I should have a list that I frame on the wall. Yes, the times Joel has been right, <laughs> starring Joel Spolsky. <laughs> we, uh, uh, we, we don't have any um, – I, I, I'm, I'm, it's uh, 47 minutes in, and I'm a little bit rushed today because I have to go home and meet the movers, and we're moving uh, to a different apartment that allows dogs. Um, those of you who read my blog may have seen it. Wow, you're actually moving dog. for the dog. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. You must really like this dog. And you know what? We could have just uh, – it, it was – it's not that we like the dog so much as we don't really want to kill him or <laughs> give him away. Um, I do actually really love the dog. He's amazingly charming, and, and, and he's become very frisky kind of like puppy-like puppy. Whereas when we first got him, he was sort of shy and a little bit scared because you know, all the people oh. were new and none of the smells were familiar to him. But now he's just a puppy. You know, yes. He's like eating all the power cords to all the computers. And oh, the joy. Finding interesting new places to poop and finding places where he can take naps where we can't reach him <laughs> or get him in any way without breaking our backs. And uh, what, other, what other exciting stuff is he doing? And you know what? He's not so much, if anybody has any good ideas for like a little snack, that you, like a treat, like a, like a food-based treat that you can give a Siberian Husky puppy. Because um, he's sort of, you know, we, we give him the little package treats that you buy that are like little liver kibble thingamajiggies. And he's okay with those, but he's just not that excited about those. I, he likes little cubes of Boy, are we getting off off topic? Well, that that's somewhat okay. Yeah, I mean, I we guess don't always have to dog. be on topic twenty four seven. No. no. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, uh, the point being that I have to go home to to move. Um, so um, so uh, there's going to be a little bit short. Do we have any other yep. um, uh, Jeff? Any other uh, major announcements uh, that we want to make? This is sort of the last of the old school episodes. Uh, uh, I, I don't think so. Do we have any listener questions? Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, we don't. We, we do. don't have so many listener questions. You know what? Okay. I want to do. Um, uh, uh, there is. Let's let's let, let, some quick announcements. One, there's a blog post which some of you who just listen to this thing through, a, you know, uh, iTunes or whatever may not actually be reading our blog anymore. But if you go to blogstackoflow.com uh, and um, scroll down a little bit, there's a post that I I made there called Podcast Future, um, talking about basically what what. You know, and, and inviting uh, uh, conversation on um, what we should do to the podcast in the future to make it slightly more entertaining, slightly more interesting. We've had about 40,000 listeners every week for the last year or so. And um, I, I think that um, we probably need to find a way to make this more interesting so that we actually gain some listeners and stop losing all the new listeners that we gain. <laughs> it's my belief that if we're doing, doing a good job here, that number should have been going up instead of just staying the same. And, I, and, uh, and so, um, you know, guest, guest, guests or um, musical uh, interludes or live, uh, live action or 
whatever, whatever those things are, if you have any suggestions for the new and recreated Stack Overflow um, podcast and, and, and how we should improve it, um, look for that blog post um, called Podcast Future on blog.stackoverflow.com. It's, it's right there on the homepage right now. And, um, uh, and add on uh, your suggestions. And that uh, will be coming back, uh, again, along with all the new announcements for all the exciting new stuff um, in a couple of weeks in, in April after the Stack Overflow team is out here. <sighs> okay. Wow. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of feedback to the uh, blog post. There, there was there was already there's already some good uh, there's already some good feedback there. But that's the people who like read the blog compulsively, and I want to make sure that you listeners are actually listening. And you know what? You guys are awesome, you forty thousand listeners. But um, y- those are the people that act. These are the people that actually like the podcast. So they're not the problem. The problem is getting more people uh, to like it and listen to it. Um, and so, uh, well, I think without more graduate, more graduate level math, I think is what we need. Yeah, well, this is well, who, I was just going to say, who who are you looking to <laughs> get to listen to this? I mean, that's true. <laughs> who's left? In other words, you, you have to figure out who who it is that it is that you want to target, and uh, all right, and, and then give them something that they want. That's so, right. So, who are you trying to get as new listeners? Um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or are you just trying to get paid? I liked it in the old days when we just say it was just my dad <laughs> and pretty much nobody else. <laughs> uh, well, there's some theories. I mean, the, the podcast will reemerge like yeah. a chrysalis. I mean, we'll, we'll emerge from the chrysalis stage and become a beautiful blood butterfly, but um, we're, we're going to make some changes. So uh, a lot of the feedback that you see on podcast futures, we are parsing it all yeah. and trying to figure out what the best strategy is. I think is. we should but go I, to TV. I, I think like if video. I had to summarize it, I would say two things. One is I think we need to do more planning around the podcast. It's a little too, a little too ad hoc right now. It is. And that's number one. And then number two, a lot more guests. People really like the guests. People with and, stories and, to tell is what we want. Yeah. Yeah. You know, guests that are doing cool stuff, whatever yeah. stuff is. As long as it's interesting and cool, I mean, it's worth talking about. And I think, I mean, Anton, what Anton has done is, is amazing. It I is mean, very interesting. I'm glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, um, you've been listening uh, to Anton uh, Garashenko. Where, uh, Anton, the, should I just send them? MathOverflow.net, obviously. Do you have a blog? I, I know we asked that, but I wasn't paying attention when you answered it because I... Uh, no, no. To pulling a jab. No. Nope. There's, yeah. T- Twitter just feed. Link to Math Overflow. MathOverflow.net. Uh, that's, uh, that's Anton's site. You can find him at Berkeley. He's a graduate student. Yeah. I'm just going to head on over there now. <laughs> just wander into the math department and look for a tall, good-looking <laughs> guy. All right. And Are we going to ask for listener questions? No, because we're not going to take listener questions anymore. That's the old format. Sorry. Goodbye. No more listener questions. There is still a transcript wiki. And if uh, you would like to transcribe parts of this conversation that you thought were interesting for the benefit of the hearing impaired, you can do so. That's linked to you from the show notes. The show notes have link, hyperlinks to all the things that we mentioned during the show. It's located at blog.stuckoverlow.com. Bye now. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood.
The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.